friends, and welcome to the latest Isolation Kings of Anglia podcast. It's week number 744, but who's counting? It's a beautiful sunny day here in, in West Suffolk. Uh, obviously, you might go to the beach later. That's, that is a joke, obviously, for, for those out there who may want to call the police on me. I am Mark Heath. I'm your host, as ever. Um, with me is the second of the two kings left working. You'll know if you've listened before that Dr. Stuart Watson and Ross Halls are out on furlough, which means, luckily for us, the doctor, not the doctor, sorry, Hutch Hogan. Got your name wrong there, Hutchie. Hutch Hogan. Hello. How are you? Yeah, if you if you did go to the beach, you would probably get labelled with probably my least favourite term that's kind of come into being during yes. during this. Covid idiots. Yeah, covid idiots. Yeah. Hate it. Stop it. Get have you rid tempted? Of it. Have you? Have you? I found myself watching people um, with an unreasonably kind of tight, scrutinised eye, um, particularly people I'm not particularly fond of around where we live, um, and genuinely considering calling the rosses on them when they when they breach lockdown rules. What you, kind of breaches have they been? Well, just doing? without giving any names, I've seen families kind of getting together in houses when they're not already in the same house and, and coming around and having like essentially parties, I guess you'd say, um, which wind, which winds me up an unreasonable amount. I get really uh, quite militant about it. And then Liz calms me down and says, doesn't, doesn't, it's not, it's all right. You just let it go. Uh, <laughs> have you, have you found yourself, you, I mean, obviously you're incredibly laid back. You're very much the, the, uh, the, the yin to my yang, as it were. Um, but is, is anything like that winding you up in lockdown, Hutchie? I'll be honest, I haven't seen anybody doing doing that, doing that kind of thing. I've not seen anybody do, doing, like, going around to people's houses or anything. You live no. in a, a much more sensible part of the world, clearly. Yeah, the town of the town of Ipswich. Do you know what, you know what area of Ipswich I live in? Uh, the best area. Do you know what it's called? Uh, no. California. Is it? Yeah. Why is it called California? I don't really know, but it is. So uh, I live in California. Do you ever play California Love by Tupac out your window? Well, yeah, I do actually. I've, uh, yeah, there's quite. Yeah, I, I do play that song quite a lot. And there's a there's a good um, there's a <laughs> there's a good remix of it used by the Golden State Warriors basketball team that I play a lot of as well. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so actually, before we get on to the football obviously we are all in lockdown hopefully you all out there are, are staying safe and well and all that sort of stuff and and, and keeping uh keeping healthy and fit in lockdown but Hutchie what, what have you been up to since we last spoke obviously um you had the excitement of uh your daughter's birthday the week before last has, has there been anything that's been exciting this week two two things this yeah. week two notable landmarks um Spoke to Stu yesterday. Had a nice long chat with him. That's he always was... a notable landmark. Yep, yep, very notable these days. Normally I speak to him every few hours, but now it's every every week or so. But he was busy varnishing a window. <laughs> he's uh, he's saying that he's got some some much needed testosterone running through his body, and he's he's doing some manly jobs like varnishing windows, which i've never done and probably be unwise to do because my windows are pvc yeah it wouldn't, wouldn't be i don't think unnecessary yeah so that was nice and then the, the best thing i've done this week is my wonderful wonderful little girl decided to post um 
some little some little figures some like story figures of of characters from her favorite stories that also tell the story she yeah. decided to post them behind a radiator okay uh, which led to it took three days to find them for a start because she was really upset they'd gone missing and she can't really tell us where they went mm. and then um Eventually, we had to try and hook them out from behind the radiator using, started off using kitchen utensils, chopsticks, fish slice, wooden spoon. Um, <laughs> what else did we try and get down there? Tried to make a little sling. Um, but in the end, it turns out the bottom of them are magnetized. So we had to lower a reel of, co- of metal wire uh, on a string down behind the radiator and fished them out which is probably the best bonding moment that me and my wife have had during this whole thing it was great and the high fives were were amazing so that's my fun story of the week mark how long did it take you then in total to get these figurines out about half an hour okay yeah four of them have you has um has jessica reached a stage yet where um you have to consider going to A&E because she's done something silly. Say, um, I remember vividly when I was a kid, I, I, I rammed a Lego piece up my nose for no reason uh-huh. and ended up going going to hospital with it. Has, has Jessica done Is she approaching that sort of stage of, of toddlership yet? Not quite there yet, but she is starting to kind of climb on things. So Uh-oh. that can't be too far away. Is she an adventurous child? She wasn't. But until about three weeks ago, she's now started trying to. She kind of climbs onto the back of the sofa and rolls off of it. Yeah, it's like that. So she's she's um, yeah, she's coming on nicely. The fearlessness of youth is something that yeah. I often lament losing. You know, when you're a kid and, and it doesn't it doesn't seem possible to hurt yourself in any way, and and you'll take un, unreasonable risks to do things. I do miss that. Yeah. yeah. Some people never lose that, of course, and they go on to careers in skateboarding and stuff, <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, in terms of me this week, Hutchie, um, sadly, our chimney got destroyed by, by Benson um, as he was trying to hurl himself at a neighbour who had the temerity to walk into her own garden. Benson, Benson did his full guard dog kill mode and, uh, and went in the effort of, of hurling himself at the fence. He knocked over our chimney, which we've had for 10 years, and smashed it. Oh, no. He's in the bad books, but it does mean, Hutchie, you'll like this. We're getting a fire pit. Of course you are. The, the upgrade that you secretly wanted anyway, but couldn't yeah. justify because you, you had an existing fire product. Yeah, Great so you're, a, you're a connoisseur of fire pits, aren't you? A big fan of, of flaming yeah. embers. I, yeah. I assume with Jessica, you can't do these things anymore, but um, no. you, you once constructed your own fire pit. Yeah, that was at an old, one of our old houses. I used a, We used a load of lot of old bricks to make a significantly sized fire pit it was at least what must have been eight foot eight feet by four feet that's more than a fire pit that's like a it's a bonfire almost you could have killed you could have killed a man in there (laughs) if you'd wanted to yeah it crossed your mind Um, we're getting that delivered on thursday hopefully that'll be nice and we're on the lookout for some garden furniture now as well as the weather gets gets nicer maybe a little garden sofa or something and the, other thing we, the other thing we did was make pasta, which we do quite a lot. We got some proper pasta flour this time, and it was beautiful. The old double zero. The old doubles, exactly, Hutchie. Yeah. You know, yeah. it made a huge difference. Um, not, it was nice before, but good Lord, it was nice this time. 
Good. We, uh, we had that, and we watched The Gentleman, which is the new Guy Ritchie film. <coughs> Excuse me, with with um, Matthew McConaughey and uh, yeah. and Hugh Grant in. That's very good. I'd recommend that. It's very formulaic in a top kind of Guy Ritchie style, very um, of its kind of director. All the usual Ritchie stuffs in there. But it is, it, it's entertaining. I'd, I'd watch it if I were you. If you've got a few that's what you want, isn't it? If you like yeah. Guy Ritchie films, that's what you want. So he's, he's clearly got a formula that works. Other thing I'm doing, obviously, is watching The Last Dance. Hutchie, you up to speed with that? Yep. I watched episode six last night. Do you know what I'm most enjoying about that? Like, Because that was the time when I rigidly and, and avidly followed the NBA. So I know a lot of the stuff about how the season's played out and who they beat and that kind of stuff. But... <clears throat> the behind the scenes stuff is brilliant like maybe now because we, we live in a world that's dominated by social media and stuff we, we're used to seeing all our favourite sports stars in their cars and at home and all that sort of stuff but there's something about that team from that era seeing them just doing kind of mundane things I find quite interesting like watching Michael Jordan play golf and yeah, put his yeah. cigar down while he, while he drives <laughs> or, or you know drinking seems strange to me drinking beer in the changing room after a game yeah I can't, I can't think that's something that goes on these days they're sitting after a game drinking drinking beer yeah i, I quite liked the little game that they played in the locker room with this you know the security guy with the yeah. uh, curly yeah. mullet yeah just just flicking a coin at a wall and, and gambling on who could get the coin closest yeah yeah I'm, I'm loving stuff like that michael jordan that team actually made me late for my final a level exam because me and my me and my mate uh, Ricky, Ricky Hall, um, basketball friends, so life. We were we uh, we we take the final game of their the, against the Jazz in the finals, um, and we were watching it in the morning. We had a I think it was a sociology or biology exam or something in the afternoon, and we'd somehow managed to get the time wrong. And so we watched the dramatic denouement of Jordan's career, which is like a film. If you've not seen it, look out for that. You could not have written it any better. The end of his first career. The second bit never happened. The Washington Wizards, um, and we ended up being an hour late for our exam as a result, and uh, we had to do like the walk of shame, and there was talk of us not being able to sit it because we were so late, and eventually we had to sit it in a separate room on our own, like naughty children. Um, so there you go. Did you anyway. still get? Did you get your full time allowance to do the exam? Yes. Yeah. There was. There was. Honestly, it provoked a whole like um, brouhaha among teachers as to as to a should we be allowed to sit it because we were so late uh, and b how we do it in a room when people had already kind of pretty much finished um and then as you say whether we get the full time or whether we should be given a shortened time in the end we were, i think we were sat in a separate room given the full time but left in no doubt that we were very naughty boys indeed Shall we talk about football, Hutchie? Let's go. There's actually quite a lot to talk about this week. Yeah. Uh, first among that is the, the news yesterday while I was off that um, Town have taken the option on four starlets. That's a yep. word I've used in football, starlets, um, to extend their deals for a further further year. Obviously, contracts is a huge issue in, in terms of restarting football. They all set to run out June, on June 30th. So clubs around the country faced with this issue. But Town have decided to... <clears throat> extend the deals of Andre Giselle, Armando Dobra, Brett McGavin and Harry Wright. So um, we start with that then, Hutch. Is your thoughts, first of all? Yeah, um, I think all four are the right decision for different reasons. Um, all four of them have got slightly different um, 
slightly different scenarios to them. Um, in Dazelle's probably the more the more high profile one, which maybe we'll, we'll leave to the end to talk about. But but Dazelle, Dobra, McGavin are all players Ipswich very much in discussions to try and do kind of a multi year um, multi year extensions with with them, but just for time purposes and and things like that, they've decided to take the twelve month option, which all all three of I think all three of have, have shown enough to, to get that extension. Dobra, as we've talked about before, his contract's very close to being done. That should, that could be signed when players eventually go back to the club and are able to do things like that. McGavin shouldn't be a problem. Um we'll talk about Andre in a minute, which is slightly different, but Harry Wright um Harry Wright is a slightly different case. Um, his extra year is very much a, a, a year being given a year to kind of prove him, prove himself because he he's been out with a knee injury for almost the whole of of the 2019-2020 season. So his year is about earning a new contract. He's got to he's got to earn one. Whereas the other three, if Ipswich could, they'd tie them down, tie them down to longer deals. But yeah, Dazelle's the really intriguing one. On on this one, in what in what way for you? Because obviously he's one of town's prized, most saleable assets. Maybe his value's diminished a little bit in recent times when he's not playing as much. But because um, <clears throat> there, there was genuine feelings that he may not be here after this season, wasn't there? Yeah, but that that would never have been because Ipswich would, weren't going to take their option. They, they were they were always going to take the option in his contract they've been talking to him for a long time about a new one and that, that's just not got not just not got anywhere um i imagine andre probably feels like he's not not playing enough um only made eight league starts during the during the season that we're currently suspended from um and uh, you know it wouldn't be a surprise if he was he was thinking that his future maybe needs to be somewhere else in terms of Giving it, giving his career a kickstart and playing football, um, but Ipswich aren't certainly weren't going to let him go. As you say, there's a, a bit of value to hold on to there. Um, that certainly slid from where it was last summer when we were talking about about Norwich um, interest, maybe interest from Brighton as well. Um, valuations of five million plus. Um, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be in that price bracket now. Um, Goodness knows where the transfer market is, and where that will come back at, and and where where players' values stand compared to what they were before due to due to this crisis that's ongoing. That's certainly going to have an effect there. But um, unless somebody comes in and buys him now, Dazel will be an Ipswich player until June the thirtieth next year. And you never know the the situation being as it is, and and sure that I'm sure there's going to be a knock on effect on Ipswich's recruitment on and players that they bring in. You never know. He may end up actually playing a more a more important role in the side. Um and that would change, I'm sure, his outlook on on the contract situation and things like that. So um I think it was a no brainer to extend the deal for a further year. Um but I'm very interested to see what happens during what is now the final year of his contract. Mm. Uh, and the other thing, obviously, in terms of things that have actually happened is that um, the masked man, Josh Earl, has departed. He's gone back. His loan's expired. Um, and so your thoughts on that? And obviously, then we'll get on to the, the, the guys left behind, the loanees, and also the other guys out of contract. 
As soon as soon as you hear about Josh Earl, you, you think about what's going on with Luke Garbutt and Will Norris, who are the other two loanees, but got Earl's loan Earl's loan was a little different in that it was done in January um on a deal until the end of the season. Obviously the end of the season has taken on a whole new meaning this year. Um very different. But it's his final game was scheduled um for Sunday. Uh, against it was supposed to be on Sunday against MK Dons, and obviously with that pass, I think that probably led to a that led to a trigger where it either had to be extended or cancelled, and they they've taken the option together. All the parties deciding that it's probably best if he if he goes back. Um, I actually quite like the look of him. Um, it's a tough one. He he had a proper false start. Thing to his career here in that when he came in we weren't really sure what position he was going to be covering he came in at a time when Toto had just gone off to Bolton um we knew that Earl could play centre back or left back um we didn't really know which of those he was going to play and as it turned out he only made seven appearances and and played in all all of those he played as a left wing back a left back the left-sided uh, defender in a back three and he also played in a back four as well um, and that coupled with the fact he, he had a, a nasty injury to his cheek which led to the aforementioned mask um, meant that he didn't really get going at Ipswich in, in any position at all um, and I feel for him a little bit there because in general I, I quite liked what I saw from him he, he, he certainly wasn't you know he you didn't look at him and think this guy's a world beater. He didn't improve the fortunes of the team um, tremendously, but he had a good touch, um, yeah. mobile, decent in the air, good one-on-one defender, um, and and could pass the ball a little bit as well. So, you know, he, I think he looked he looked a decent player to me. He just never just never got going. Now the call. Now, obviously, let, let's talk about the two who remain on loan then, because Luke Garber, I think, is probably the most interesting out of, out of everyone left with some question mark over the head, because his question mark is huge. He um, he won't even be an Everton player come the end of June, and therefore can't be on loan anywhere. Um, and I think, obviously, there was, there was some quotes out last week, wasn't there, talking about how complicated his future is. Is there any, I mean, what's your what's your thoughts on the, on the Garber situation and how that could potentially be resolved? Because clearly, if if and when football does restart, and I still have my doubts whether the EFL will, will actually restart, um, Garber is, is probably the, the one player that Town would most want to still have playing for them till the end of the season. So what, what do you make of that, Hutchie? Um, I think in an ideal world, they they would keep, they, they they want to keep Norris and Garber around until this is all, till the season's done, mm. one way or the other. Um and there haven't there haven't been any conversations about them going back um, as yet. So so as it stands, yes, very much still there. Will Norris is like you said. Will Norris is the simpler one. He's a, a Wolves player. He's got further years on his contract at Wolves. Um, so the loan there is a you know it's a a simpler one to manage, and that will get that will get resolved. However, the EFL and the Premier League kind of come to the conclusion that standard season to season long loans 
get resolved. Both of these go to the end till like June. They're not they're not like Earl's loan, which was up at the end of the season. They've got longer to run on them naturally, so there's a little bit of time there. So yeah, Norris Norris relatively simple and and you know he had the he had the gloves as well when when um when football got suspended. So uh, if just want to keep him um I'm sure unless unless things change. Yeah, Garbett, as you say, interesting. He his Everton his Everton contract and his Ipswich loan both up at the end of June, which means he'll be a free agent. Um, I don't know how that one will end up. Obviously, the season won't be finished by the end of June. Doesn't doesn't look like so. Something's going to have to happen there. I, I don't know if there's obviously once players' contracts expire expire, they are. They are paid by their by their club for the month of July, almost as a severance severance payment. There's been talk about players being able to play for their clubs during the severance month, um, which I don't know if I would do if I was a player or not. I don't know how happy I'd feel about doing that, but mm. it's an option I'm sure that they will discuss. And who, who knows? Maybe maybe he is paid his severance month by Ipswich by um. By Everton, sorry, as he would be anyway, and then the loan gets extended into July um, as part of that. But it's pretty messy, whichever way you do it, because even if you are happy to pay play for your club uh, during your severance month, are you going to want to do that as a loan player as well? That's just an additional complication. So it's a messy one there, and that's before you even start to think about what his long-term future might be, be that Ipswich or anywhere else. Do you think Town have got all things with Town are obviously going to be in League One next season, whenever that starts and whenever this one finishes, Town aren't going to go up this season. So do you think, what could you put a percentage on chances of Luke Garber coming back? I mean, he's going to be looking at championship sides, isn't he, at the very least, you'd think? He'd want to play in the championship, at the very yeah. least. Um not sure. Not sure if he, he, whatever happens, he's gonna, he's gonna, gonna need to. And I, and by the way that he talks, um, I think he has kind of accepted that he's gonna have to take a, a contract that looks very different to the one that he is currently on at Everton. I think he he's going into this with his eyes open. He's a he's a sensible guy. He's a clever guy. Um, he knows that he hasn't fulfilled his potential at Everton and that he's maybe going to need to, or he's certainly going to need to go down the pyramid to try and come back up again. Whether that's as far as Ipswich, I don't know. Um, and whether he's whether he's done enough, has he done enough in League One for Ipswich to, to earn a good contract in the Championship? If he, The highlight reel looks good, but the first half of the season he was brilliant. Once he started struggling with this thigh injury, and even before that, he kind of fell away a little bit and his performances weren't quite there. And you could certainly say that he's a he's more at home as a left-sided, certainly a wing-back um, midfielder than, than he is as a, a full, full-on stay-at-home left-back. So I'm not sure what, what a championship side's going to make of Luke Garbett for it switching 2019-20, other than a, a good highlight reel of some stunning free kicks, but um, in theory, in theory, I'm I'm sure he he would be very open to a, a permanent move, move to Ipswich. I think had Ipswich 
had Ipswich gone up to the championship, it would have been nailed on because because I think he's really enjoyed his time here. And you can tell, I think it's been good for him. Um, I think he's come to a lot of conclusions about himself and and where his career needs to go from here during, during his time at Ipswich. But the fact that the transfer market and Ipswich's power to go out and spend is surely, surely going to be decreased. Um, but that that may just be passed on to players. I don't know. A player a player is going to just going to have to accept that they're not going to get the contracts they might have done before all of this started. It's really messy, and there's just so many unknowns there, isn't there? Because we don't know. We don't. We don't. We don't know what state everything's going to come out of this. How things are going to be concluded when the next season starts. He's a free agent, so if they actually they end up putting the season back until not starting it until October or, or December, something mm. like that. A club's gonna gonna rush out there and pick up free agents that they have to pay from July through to December, who can't kick a ball and may not even be able to train. Yeah, it's not a great time to be a free agent, I wouldn't say. That's a great point, you know. Um, and I think someone has, has mentioned it in mailbag, but we may as well discuss it now. Is the knock-on effect of all this on contracts? Um, to put to bring in another sport, obviously one of my favourite sports, boxing. I was listening to an interview with Josh Taylor, he's a world champion the other day, um, talking about whether or not he'd accept less money for fights going forward because obviously there's not going to be fans in the arena, which is a significant amount of of, of, of income that is planned yep. for in contracts. And that is going to knock on as well, isn't it, to all other sports because less money, whatever happens, less money is going to be coming in until fans are coming back to games. And that's a massive thing, particularly in League One and League Two, when gate receipts are much, much bigger. In the, in the, the glory and, and riches of the Premier League. So clubs are going to have less money. Yep. Which is going to only going to widen the gap between the haves and the have-nots, but also they're going to have less money to spend on players. So, I mean, this whole thing could, could really have a huge effect on, on players at that level. Yeah, very much so. And I think it just makes it even more sensible that that Ipswich have taken the one, not that they were ever not going to, but but extending these deals for their good young players. But they may they may just be playing bigger roles than anybody anybody ever expected um, because of this. Because because your recruitment is going to be impacted. I think it, there's every chance that that Thomas Holy will now be backed up by one of the two young goalkeepers, either Harry Wright or Adam Schibek next season. Um, that could have happened anyway. But there's every chance that that might happen now because it, in a world where you've got got less money and, and the pulling power isn't there, are you going to go out and are you going to go out and have two senior goalkeepers when you've kind of got two younger ones who could back up the number one anyway? Um, free agents like Luke Garbutt, um you're not going to be rushing to them and you're not going to be able to pay as much. It's it's just it's. It's just going to be a new a new reality. Nobody knows what it what it's going to look like because I think a lot of that depends on when they can get back playing again and and how that happens when fans can start going back that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how this this plays out. But I think it's certainly going to have an an impact on how much Ipswich are willing to pay in the transfer market. The only thing that we know, Hutchie, is that we don't really know anything. Exactly. That was profound, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. Very deep. I'll get that on a poster and put it on my wall. <laughs> um, let's talk about the, the rest of the guys then who are out of contract. So that's um, Cole Skews, Gwion Edwards, Will Keane, Jay Robs, Jordan Roberts and, and Danny Rowe. 
the fab or not so fab five as the case may be. Um, what would you do with those five and what and what do you think will happen? Um, well, well, straight off the bat, I think regardless of what what's gone on in the world, I think Jordan Jordan Roberts was off. Um, so, so. Uh, yep, currently on currently on loan at Gillingham, and I, I think it was pretty clear when he went on that loan that his his time at Ipswich was was going to be up. Um, so he's one he's one that would go. Um, got two wingers in there, Guion Edwards and and Danny Rowe. I, I would have thought that Edwards. Um, particularly the job that he's done for, given the, the job that he's done for Lambert as a makeshift right back, which he, he did really grow into um, after a, a shaky start. I would be surprised if he didn't at least have the option taken. Um, mm. Some of these, it, it's, it's, a real, it's a real unclear one with these options because in general, that the, the options are held by the club and they need to be exercised by the third weekend in May. Um, that's just a, gen- a sweeping generality of them. But there are some of them that have um, triggers in them, appearance triggers, um, things like that, that, oh, that um, automatically trigger trigger an extra year. And that's got the potential to get a little bit complicated as well. But because, and, and I'm not saying this is the case, but let's just... Let's just speculate here. Let's say that Will Keane, who we knew came into this season with fitness issues, Mm. had a trigger in his contract that after X amount of games, if he could play in X amount of games and stay fit all season, that triggers an extra year. Now, that's in his contract, but eight games have been taken off the board in Mm. terms of in terms of Ipswich's schedule. So it'd be interesting if that was the case. That's complete speculation that that even exists in Will Keane's contract. But if it did, that's just another example of murky murky contract stuff that this is going to impact as well. Because it might be, could it be a perc- on a percentage of games? Could it be on um, number of games? How is that worded? Is there a claim that someone who had, who was close to reaching that milestone but now won't because the games are not going to happen maybe is that are they going to have a claim for for having that contract extended or things like that it's that that's just pure speculation but there are clauses like that in certain contracts that that get interesting as well um i'm rambling but will Keane, i would probably i'd be taking his option year as well i think if it was a simple yes or no who's left so that leaves scoose and danny rowe um, Skews will leave for a minute because that's slightly more complicated, I think. And um, Danny, Danny Rowe, I've he's shown flashes. Um, he's shown flashes of what he can do, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure in this climate. I think the climate might count against him on this one. I think there's a chance that he might be released. I'm not sure. What about? What about old King Cole? Well, he, they've been they've been talking to him for some time about a contract that would include carrying on playing and also <laughs> moving on into the next stage of his football career in terms of what he would do off the pitch in, in oh. terms of coaching and other and other things. And that had been spoken about for a long time, and they were getting close to something there. And Cole Cole was pretty clear in that it it all probably wouldn't be a case 
where his option year would be taken. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be some a scenario that would happen. I don't know if that's changed due to due to this as well, but I would hope I would really hope that one way or another that this isn't gonna cause gonna kind of lead to the end of Cole Skews's time at, at Ipswich because whatever you think of him as a player, he's a really important guy to the club. He's a good guy. He's a he's a good player as well. Um and he's got something to offer off the pitch at the end of his career. So I, I really hope that one way or another he he sticks around. But I'm not convinced it would be on an option year. He's what they call in American sports a good locker room guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Someone that's just good to have around, regardless of whether or not they actually play that much anymore. Um, okay, mate. So that's let us know what you think about that, obviously, uh, in terms of what you do with, with the various machinations of bits and bats there. Other things we've got to talk about before we hit mailbag coach season tickets. Yep. There's a big there's a big date coming up. Um and, and things look like they're going pretty well. Yeah, from an from an Ipswich perspective, that, that date is is tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. So Thursday is May the seventh, which is the um deadline that Marcus Evans set for existing season ticket holders to renew for next season and and um take a price take advantage of a, a price freeze and i've been told that, that the take-up's been pretty good um a majority i think eight thousand. this is particularly focused at those that pay for their season ticket by direct debit um over 12 months interest free and there are 8,000 of those uh, during the current season. And it sounds like the majority have um, have taken up the the renewal rather than cancelling. So from a club, from the club's point of view, um, that's really good news because in terms of an income stream, uh, that's pretty much all that's available to them at the moment. Um, that. That those fans that have renewed, um, the club should be very grateful because yeah. because um, that's certainly kind of taking a gamble. Um, more like it's it's more like su- supporting the club during this time um, because there's the very real possibility that certainly we know this season will finish behind closed doors and there's a very real chance next season will start that way as well. So um, yeah, fair play to anyone that's done that because that's. Um, that's a really good thing to do. Fans are incredible, aren't they? And town fans especially. Obviously, they've been they've been travelling in their numbers this season. But to to pay money on stuff that that, as you say, it looks like fans aren't even going to be able to watch games maybe until twenty twenty one. But to, to voluntarily put forth money at a time when it's obviously difficult financial times for a lot of people at the moment, that's tremendous. Absolutely yep. brilliant. I, I, my only my only kind of frustration with it is it always seems to be one way. It always seems to be the fans giving for the club. It never seems to be the other way around. I mean, even in these times, you know, obviously people are struggling financially um, and yet there's still this expectation that fans will still keep giving money. Give me money. F you pay me, as Jay-Z famously said in one of his albums. Um, is that something that, that, that gets your go as well, Hutch, or is it just me being irritated by things? Um. I don't think I get irritated by things as much as as much as you do. That's but, definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> clear, clearly, 
clearly they on the pitch um the club haven't delivered um to the level that the fans have supported them back um yeah. but yeah i think fans know what they're signing up for it's a it's a um it's a roller coaster ride being a football fan and you just hope that one day all these years of supporting a club both financially and with your time energy passion uh and that kind of thing will be repaid mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully hopefully one day one day that does get repaid that's the eternal cry of many a football fan isn't it hopefully yeah. one day there's always next season we'll, we'll yeah. be back next year um if that's you if that's you who's, who's renewed and are still paying money to the club despite not even knowing if you're going to be able to go i doff my cap i'm not wearing one but if i had one i'll, I'll doff it to you now my friends Good work. Also, also as well fit Fair play to anyone that has cancelled as well. Of course, yeah. Um, that's entirely that's, that's the sensible yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in any other in any other business that you're you're paying money to and it's closed, mm. you would cancel it. So, like, if Netflix stopped working and wasn't going to work till December, I'd probably cancel it. Yeah, um, but I don't have that passionate support for Netflix, and they're not—they're not part of my life. They're not—they're um, not part of my community. So there's that there's that different pull, isn't there, with football? But you know, and I think the club understand as well um, that yeah, if if you want if you've cancelled your season ticket, then fair play to you as well. And I'm I'm sure. I'm sure those fans will be back inside Portman Road as soon as it's safe for, for them, safe for them to be there. Um, it's like everything with this virus. I, like, I, aside from doing stupid things like going to other people's houses, particularly if you're the top government advisor on science, actually, and you've gone yeah, around yeah. to your mis- you've invited your mistress round. Um, have you seen that story? I have, yeah. Yeah, um, unless you're doing silly things like that, like fair play to anyone during this. Like, it's, everyone's got different circumstances and different um, different needs, different worries, different ways that they need to express themselves during this. So, unless you're doing actually something that endangers others, then you know who who are we to who are we to criticise anyone's reaction to anything in this, be it financial or or what you actually do with your life. Anyway, that's a bit deep. We're talking about season tickets. Okay, um, let's talk about something else you've done this week, which is speak to someone who is very much at home inside Portman Road, much like fans. Craig Forrest. Yep. Our Canadian friend. Um, we spoke to him, a very wide-ranging and lengthy interview. Um, he First of all, he's helping, isn't he, coronavirus-wise? Um, yep. but just bring folks up to speed obviously you can read it now it's online it's in two bits and um, if you if you have not seen it go back and read it because it's some good stuff I always liked Craig Forrest growing up I think it was his hair yeah yeah. Um, and maybe the, the goalkeeper shirt as well I just always liked Craig Forrest I don't know why um, yep. but anyway how is he and, and what's he up to he's a lovely fella I'd not spoken I'd not spoken to him before um, but he's a re- he's a really nice guy we had a we had a really good conversation for an hour and a half or so, and a, and a good laugh as well. He's um, he's a funny bloke, and he's certainly got some stories to tell. But yeah, at the moment he's doing some really good, 
some really good work with a group um, that's been set up in in Canada uh, around Toronto. Um, it's kind of a group of former athletes, some current athletes as well, some other celebrities. Um, Ryan Reynolds, the uh, the film film star, is kind of fronting it as well, and they're essentially collecting stuff that that people working on the front line need um, that maybe haven't got due to the way that Canada's health services is set up and funded. Um, so that they're kind of collecting stuff from private businesses and um delivering that to delivering that to, to the front line so um yeah craig's been delivering things to hospitals they've got got um kind of brokered a deal with volvo which has seen cars given to those working on the front line there medical supplies protection equipment um all of that kind of stuff so the, yeah they're doing just doing just doing a their little bit he stressed as um didn't want kind of great great praise for it because he's just doing just doing what he can good lad most important question how many times did he say a boot <laughs> he's actually it slipped in there occasionally but in terms of a canadian accent i think i think his 18 years in england have um kind of let that slide away a little bit he's, but, he's been back in canada a fair time but it's softened a little bit that's one of the, the key things in life, my friends. If you ever want to know if someone's American or Canadian, you're not entirely sure from their accent, just get them to say about, because Canadians cannot say about, they say a boot. As South Park uh, yeah. so wonderfully told us. Exactly, that's where I learned it from. South Park <laughs> many things. Uh, that, is definitely, that definitely is one that rings true. Yeah. Well, um, we'll move on now to what would be our and finally section of the news, Hutchie. You know, back in the day, so Trevor McDonald, he'd present the news at 10, and then he'd get to all the serious stuff and he'd get to the end and he'd say, and finally, here's a water skiing squirrel or something like that. That's from Anchorman, isn't it? That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah, this is our and finally bit. This week, it emerged, it's which town, through football manager, was released their final finishing position. Had the league played out in full, obviously football manager, very serious, as you know. So it's a serious scientific survey. It's which town this season would have finished mini drum roll 11th <laughs> yeah. yeah. so they would have actually dropped a place they would have lost on the final day of the season as well that's a shame 2-1 at home to MK Dons Gwion Edwards would have netted um, and also it wasn't just football manager predicting 11th the football pools panel who have carried on predicting all the games also have town finishing 11th as well so that's all rather dispiriting isn't it Hutchie <laughs> That's where my little my little formula that I came up with on the lo- on the last podcast had them as well. There you go. But I think they'd have finished higher than that. I think they'd have finished eighth or ninth. We may yet find out, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't think the FL is going to restart. Actually, I've got to be honest. Uh, who knows, mate? It doesn't. I think the I think obviously the Premier League and the EFL are separate beings and it t- it seems that the the championship and then league one and league two are becoming separate entities as well um very much a three-tiered uh little pyramid now um yeah it wouldn't wouldn't be surprising if they didn't but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they they did do you know what i think the most likely thing to happen is is for them to start 
and then then not be able to finish it. Yeah, because someone tests positive and which would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's that is obviously the big danger of everything, isn't it? As soon as yeah. you restart, and then as soon as someone tests positive, then everything has to be shut down again. Yeah, crazy. Anyway, yeah. should we move to mailbag? Cut you a little bit of light relief. We've done the serious headlines. Yep. Ready for a song? Of course, I'm always ready. Mailbag, mailbag. It's time for Mark and Andy to dip into the mailbag. Do, do. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, first of all, before we start, can I just say thank you to all the all the listeners, the KOA army out there, for all the questions we're still getting. I kind of assumed that they would tail off to, to pretty much nothing. But we've had a bumper amount of questions again. So clearly... A lot of you out there are still listening and, and are interested. I've had a few messages from people saying, thanks for keeping it going and that kind of stuff. So that is good. That's what we're here for. First question, Harvey Davis, the Sweet Wealth Prince. Friend of the show. We've, we've given up on numbers, but you are definitely a friend of the show, Harvey. He says, saw a picture of Dazelle liking a tweet about a fan criticising his progression compared to Downs. How much does social media have an impact on players? Are there dedicated roles within clubs to help players with the ever-growing social media presence? And Harvey adds, probably Chambo's job, laughing face. Obviously, Chambo. Um, this, this is a good question, an interesting question as well. We have a small insight into how social media can be negative in terms of people um, having a go at you and, in your case, actually threatening to slit your throat back in the day. Um, and leg that me. Be, that can only be small compared to what yeah. as will go through on social media. So, do you know? Is there any provision within clubs to kind of manage that and almost kind of mitigate um, the, the, the mental health impact of that? Um, there isn't. A, there wouldn't be a spe- certainly not Ipswich anyway. There wouldn't be like a specific specific job role for that. Um, however, there is a there is a player liaison officer um, at the club who. Helps out with all kinds of all kinds of things, um, but if it's if it's something they wanted to talk about, then that there are people there. Say let's say in this case Andre, if he wanted to talk to someone about social media and finding that difficult and things like that, there are people within the club he could he could talk to about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chambers being one of them, I'm sure. Uh, he no, we no, we joke. He. He does take on too much, but in terms of that kind of thing, that's probably the kind of thing a captain really should be should be taking on. Because um, at start, Chambers, uh, if he saw everything that was written about him on social media, he would he would probably need to talk to someone himself. But um, yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? And um, it's a level of scrutiny that that not many other people have to experience. It's just the, it's just the kind of complete nonsensical, just just as if these people are, are nothing. The way you know the, the people speak to celebrities in in inverted commas. It just staggers me that people don't see them as kind of real people, and and mm-hmm. what they send to people has an effect, or they somehow deserve to be shot at. Baffling, anyway. Yeah, um, well, there's two there's two different kind of strings to it isn't there there's the kind of 
the fact that football is a is an industry that gets analysed publicly by its customers. So you, let, let, let's use Andre as the example here because he was mm. the one in the question that people can people can write kind of constructive stuff about critiquing Andre's game. Um, there's enough. Yeah, there there are positives there that we all know about, and there are, there are things that he's done not so well on progression that he hasn't made that maybe he would have expected and others would have expected of him. There's there's ways of doing that kind of constructively on social media around a around a kind of a reasoned footballing debate. Mm-hmm. But then there's there's the other side of it, isn't there, where where you just go you just go too far. Some some people some people just go too far with it. In terms yeah. of like personal insults, yeah, different languages, um, things like that. So it's kind of with, with both of those different ways of interacting, both with and around footballers, it, it's such a massive, massive area where their their professional life is just being discussed by by so many, and it, it must be really difficult. Which is why, if it was me, it's not something I I, I don't think I'd be. I don't think I'd be on social media, particularly if it, if it, if that was me. Arguably, yeah. I wouldn't be on it now unless it was for my job. Yeah, we kind of have to be on social media, don't we? Yeah. Because that's the way we kind of pick things up and and also share the content that we produce. So, it's kind of essential part of our job. But as you say, if someone was was kind of constantly analysing our jobs on a daily basis, which we we do get on a on a much smaller level than players. But it's kind of out there, isn't it? And and yeah. you see it all the time, and people saying you're this, you're that, and you know the negative impact on on how how you think about things would be huge, I think. Um, anyway, moving on, George. <clears throat> George asked about the Garbutt and Norris loans. Um, obviously, we've already talked about that, George. So, hope that answers your question. Next up, Matt Thomas, friend of the show. I think you're number five, Matt. I know we've done away with numbers. Fighty Matt Thomas. He says, chaps. Thanks for the continued pods. It seems to have increased significance whilst the life vacuum continues. And then he asks Hutchie, in that vein, which three books would you consider most important to have read? I'll go for Tuesdays with Mori, Brave New World, and 1984, for what it's worth. Um, I've only actually heard of one of those, 1984. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the other two. Um, Hutchie, you, you famously said you're not much of a book reader. But are there three books that you would you consider most important that you've read? Um, can I just say no? Yes. <laughs> if I'm honest, I've you know I've I've read my I've read my fair share of books. I, I'm not I'm certainly not a reader. Yeah. I don't I don't always have a book on the go. I don't own a bookmark. Um, or anything Who's, like. Does own a bookmark though? I don't know anyone who owns a bookmark. Bookmarks are kind of things. Of a, of, a, of a bygone era, an analog era. But what are, you, what are you using to keep your place in a book? Just a bit of paper, mate. I've just literally scrap paper I've ripped up, or I am really bad at folding down pages, which the wife always gets on at me about. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. A book looks a book looks so much better when it's got beaten up corners and it looks like it's been exactly. read, read and loved. Exactly. It looks like it's been read, it's been broken in, it's been enjoyed. That's yeah. that's. That's my take on things. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, shamefully. Um, yeah, shamefully. Um, I, I honestly wouldn't say there's a book that's been really important to me. Um, hmm. And I know that's probably not 
a great answer for a 33-year-old to give. Um, but, yeah. Um, sorry, three books, most important. Uh, how would I answer this question? Definitely, number one, probably um, Nelson Mandela's autobiography, The, the Long Road to Freedom, um, or Long Walk to Freedom. Um, that's massive. It's in two. It's actually in two volumes, but it's well worth reading. I've read it two or three times, and obviously the, some of the stuff he talks about in there incredible. Um, you know the kind of hey, the, the kind of racism and the apartheid side of things that he faced growing up. How he uh, trained as a lawyer um, and this kind of shift in his thinking away from kind of the civil rights towards having to take quite a, um, a violent stance essentially. Um, and escalate things, uh, and also obviously time in prison, uh, very, very interesting. And then how he came out of prison and, and almost embraced the people that, had, that had put him in there for the good of the country. It's really, really fascinating. And there's, there's, a, there's a, a really important phrase in there, which I have taken into my life, which is um, how much being a leader means listening to people. Leadership is listening. Um, she saw right from the very start of his life when he was in in his in his um his tribes Madiba is his, his tribal name and, and the village elder would before making any decision would listen to what everyone had to say um and that's where he, he took that from and i think that is i'd say that's probably the most important book i've read in my life in terms of the way i think about things and and, and stuff like that so i'd highly recommend that um the best sports book i've ever read is the fight by normal mailer about the rumble in the jungle between muhammad ali and george foreman that's a, an exceptionally written book um, very, very unusually written, but brilliant, kind of very much of its, its author, Norman Mailer, who's probably one of the, the finest sports writers of all time. Um, and then in terms of the other, the third, I don't I don't read fiction, Hutchie. I don't know if you're the same as me. I never read fiction because it, when I'm reading, I want to know that it's actually happened, that I'm actually learning something. So for that reason, I don't, I don't read fiction. Um, the third book would probably be a toss-up between Martin Luther King's autobiography and Malcolm X. Two very different ends of the spectrum on the civil rights scale. I got into civil rights through, through Muhammad Ali, who had a huge role to play. And so I read both these guys' autobiographies. And, and obviously Malcolm X came at it from a very militant perspective of the Nation of Islam, um, wanting, wanting equal rights, but equally not wanting to be um, integrated into society, where obviously Martin Luther King was very much of the integration is key and, and the non-violent protest stance. Um, and that's his book is fascinating actually. I'd probably say that one. Malcolm X is the better read because it's more provocative, but Martin Luther King, from a kind of thinking point of view, and 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 the way he explains their non-violent protest stance, obviously at a time when people are getting badly beaten up and attacked by dogs and thrown into prison, in the face of all that, and they managed to turn the other cheek. And him talking about why they did that is really interesting. And again, that spawned another kind of key in my head in my life which is um of conviction not conformity the true test of a man being not when it, there's times of consensus and and conformity but in times of conflict and crisis um that was a big thing for him and that's that's also been a kind of guiding thing in my life so there you go that was, that was very deep wasn't it alan partridge's <laughs> book's quite funny has <laughs> alan partridge got a book yeah it's called I Partridge. Ah. It is actually quite funny, but a bit long. I've got a bit deep there, Hutchie. Apologies for that. I like it. I like it. You're a learned man. Peter Dwerry House. Oh, goodness sake. No Death. 
No death, please, Peter. A considerably less morbid question this week. Rather buoyant, given the times, actually, he says. You receive a power to grant a single wish to another person, but you cannot consult it with them. Who would you grant it to? Why would you grant it to them? And what would it be? So you can give a wish to someone, but you can't ask them what they want. You have to decide. Um, Surely you'd do that for your, your daughter, wouldn't you? Or a member of your family? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my uncle's pretty ill at the moment. Oh, I'd, is he? Uh, I'd make him well. Um, I would also, I'd grant my daughter just a life... A lifetime of happiness, not easy, not an easy life, but ha- an underlying happiness for her entire life. Either that or I would just suddenly give Stuart Watson the ability to sprout some hair. <laughs> one, one of those one of those three things. That's brilliant. Stuart would love you forever. Spontaneous, spontaneous hair, hair growth. Yeah. That's great, mate. Um, I, the obvious thing for me, the wish, in terms of wish, I'd, I'd just, I'd say you can have three more wishes or, you know, five more wishes. That's the obvious thing to wish for, isn't it? If you're granted a wish, more wishes. In, in, in Aladdin, you're not allowed to do that with the genie. It's very clearly stated in, in Aladdin that that's not, not a rule, not, not something you're allowed to do. Oh, dear. I'd, I'd fail that, that test then. Um, Chris Bennett, to pass the time in the current situation, I've been painting my flat, says Chris. Any advice on cleaning paint rollers? <laughs> Once, would you ever play for the rival of the team you support? Unfortunately, as things stand, if I was good enough for Norwich, I'd be more than good enough for Ipswich. Yeah. Chris says I'd never play for Norwich, not for any, any money in the world. That'd be interesting, Chris. I'd like to see that tested if you were offered 64 grand a week to play for Norwich. I suspect you may change your mind. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, I was a Derby fan, obviously. Would I have played for Nottingham Forest? Uh, I probably would, because I love Brian Clough, and he was he was obviously the Forest manager at the time. So I probably would have done, surely because of my love for Brian Clough, the greatest manager who's ever lived. Um, how about you, Hutchie? Would you ever put on the yellow and green? If that was my route to having a football career, then yeah. <laughs> and if you're getting paid vast sums of money as well, yeah. Surely that would help, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it would help. Um, no, I'm, more in, I'm more interested by the first half of the question. Paint that, rollers. Paint rollers. Yeah, um, because that is a tough one. If you can, use the outside tap and, yeah. just, and just leave it running continuously. If you've got an outside tap, just leave it running. Um, just leave it running under the tap until all that paint runs away. Don't try and do that in the house. Messy. Very messy. I love I love the big paint rollers. I get very bored when you get to the edges, though. I like slapping it on slapdash with a huge paint roller. But then when you get to the edges and you have to be a little bit more kind of delicate and, and accurate with your work, that's when I go to pop. Uh, in terms of paint rollers, just buy another one, mate. They're not that yeah, that's the other thing. They are They are at a price point where you should have a fair few of them. Yeah, just dispose of the one you've used and buy another one for the next bit. Don't try and mix colour. If you're doing a room that's got two colours, definitely don't try and clean it to the extent that it's perfectly clean to then use the next colour. Or do some good planning and do the lighter colour first, and then if there's a darker colour, 
do that second if you do only have one roller. Good advice, my friend. Nigel G. Ledge. Forever. Hero, Hero of the show. Of the show. Sorry, what? Hero of the show. Hero, thank you for your service. How do you think the knock-on... Oh, it was Nigel asked this question. The knock-on effects from COVID will affect player valuations, salaries, etc., um, and money in the game. If, if the Downs and the Wolf are sold at some point, will Town miss out financially on what they are truly worth? And he adds, also, thanks for keeping the pods going. Very much appreciated. Hashtag stay home, save lives. So do you think it will drive down values of players as well, Hutchie? We've talked about contracts. Will players still change hands for as much money, do you think? And who's buying them? Um, if it's a Premier League side, probably not. Yeah, well, yeah. Kind of. I, I think a, a Premier League side that's shopping in League One um, would be able to pay the same fee. Um, if we're talking about Downs and Wolfenden here, yeah, yeah. Um, they'd be. But but the level that tips the scale for Ipswich needing to accept it may uh, may come down because you know everything we've heard about Downs and Wolfenden is the old they won't be sold on the cheap. Um, the definition of the cheap may may change um, sadly um, because because of of the way this is the way this is playing out for football clubs. We'll, we'll wait and see. FBL Tractor wants to know, if the season had run normally, but somehow we'd made the playoffs, would Josh Earl have been able to play? Uh, yeah. He would have been extended for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Martin Dye, do you think Town have activated the extra year for Dizelle so they get a better fee for him? And he had to take care of yourself, guys. That's certainly got to be something to protect one of their assets, hasn't it? Having him on the contract for longer. I think they well they yeah it, it does protect but they they want him under contract for longer regardless they want to keep him um and at the moment the only way to make sure he's here next year is to take the option they'd like to give him a like a 3 4 year deal but that's not happened yet the only way to keep him is on that extra year extra year extension and at the same time um that means that say he's sold this this summer they can they can they can negotiate a fee, whereas if he had joined, he'd left on a free uh, at the end of his contract, joined another club, Ipswich would have been due a compensation fee, which, um, as we've seen many times, is lower generally than um, considerably lower, actually, than, than what you would be able to no- negotiate on the transfer market. Yeah, interesting. Um, Martin Code, on a non-football note, what does Mark make of the boxing match schedule between Eddie Hall and Hathor Bjornsson in 2021. Have you seen this, actually? Are they world's men, people? Yeah, so they're two guys. Hathor Bjornsson is the mountain from the Game of Thrones. You know, the six-foot-nine yeah, yeah. absolute unit, just broken the world deadlift record. Um, both former world's strongest men. Um, Eddie Hall is six-foot-three. Hathor is six-foot-nine. Martin says, comical or brilliant? Um, well, mine, I think a lot of people will watch it. You could market that quite easily. It's being marketed as the heaviest boxing match in history, which I'm not sure is the, the most uh, sexy of titles. Um, but it's going to be a complete farce, Martin, I'm afraid to tell you. Um, guys that big, uh, it will be the world's worst boxing match. After 30 seconds, neither will be able to keep their hands up. They'll be exhausted. The winner will be the man who hasn't had a heart attack by the end of the first round, I'd imagine. Because um, there's literally no way that guys that big can box in any way. They're going to have no cardio at all. So, um, 
comical, but I'm sure a lot of people will watch it. It's a freak show fight, and there's nothing wrong with that. Harry Butcher, friend of the show, wants to know, what are all of your guilty pleasures? Mine is glugging milk from the carton, you dirty boy, Harry. Um, <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure, Hutchie? Um, I'm a bit of a carton drinker myself, actually. Yeah, nothing wrong I, with that. I'll, I'll glug a bit of orange juice out of the carton. Yeah. Uh, guilty pleasure. I'll tell you what, the, 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 one, the highlight of my of my weeks at the moment is obviously we um we're saving a fair amount of money because we realize we we eat out far too often yeah. as, a fam- as a family but we are getting one and we're doing a lot more home cooking as well which is good because we both enjoy cooking we just it's just been harder since we've uh had a had a child but our, our weekly takeaway is my guilty it's not, not even guilty pleasure it's just my pleasure at the moment my pure pleasure and tonight's the night Oh, so you have something to look forward to. Yeah. What is it, Indian? Are we talking? Yeah, always the same, Indian. Lovely curry. I'd eat. I would. I would eat Indian food every day if it was possible, which it is possible, but my wife won't let me. <laughs> Where are you getting that from? Um, we actually the week the a week or so before all of this kind of kicked off, uh, we discovered like a new one. A new just a takeaway locally, mm. which look the sign in that the signage is appalling. It looks like um, it looks like it should be like a um budget, how like a budget takeaway burger place. Yeah, it's called Spice Hut Express on Spring Road in Ipswich, but the food is actually incredible, and it's um, I like to I like to think. That I'm a bit of a, a connoisseur. I know I know what I like and I know what's good. Yeah. This is good. This is very, very good. Fine curry. So there you go. There's a recommendation as well. My guilty pleasure uh, is probably on the theme of drinking or eating out of jars or cartons. It's probably eating peanut butter straight out of the jar. Just, just grabbing a spoon and just going to town on some peanut butter. Um, yeah, that's probably my guilty pleasure. That and cigars, actually. Uh, I when do. did you last have a cigar? Uh, not for a long time, actually. I'm hoping to have one with the fire pit uh, in due course. Um, I have a number of fine Cuban cigars, which take about four four days to smoke. Um, has, that, has the has the Michael Jordan documentary, the Bulls documentary, kind of spiked your? Yes, it has. It's it's a short answer. Yeah. Yes, it has. Yeah, there's something about watching someone else smoke a cigar, which makes me want to smoke a cigar as well. The wife hates it though, which is why it has to be a very limited activity because they often. Yeah. Um, and she's she's she told me the other day and I said, "Oh, I might have a cigar." She said, "You're not having a cigar. You'll make uh-huh. the bed. You'll make the bed sheet smell." <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm hoping if we're around the fire pit and we're all going to smell of smoke anyway, I can I can get permission. Why not? Got a birthday coming up anyway, so I'll certainly have one then if I don't. Um, Jason. Hola, Jace, Jason Milton. Great team, uh, great show, Team Curry, he says. Then he asks about the other side of the loans thing. He says, what's the story in terms of Toto, Roberts, and Mark's love child? That's a Drizzy, for those of you who don't know. Will they stay out on loan, or are they due back at town eligible for the running, in inverted commas? Uh, As far as I know, know, they're still at their club. So I imagine Roberts, um, Roberts, 
and Drynan certainly will stay at their clubs for, for the running. Um, Toto's an interesting one. I imagine I imagine he'll stay at Bolton for for the running, whatever that whatever that looks like. Mm. Okay, a few more questions to get through, Hutchie. Um, Super Blue, in terms of contracts, says the senior contract. Rowe is the only one I'm bothered by. It'd be nice to keep Edwards, but Scoose and Keane not so much. Um, and then Chris Miles says, minus the unfortunate folks who've passed away and their families. Do you think we'll look back on the lockdown as an overall positive or negative thing for society? This is an interesting question. Also, our old friend and doorman, Tony Southgate, asked a similar question. If there's one lockdown rule you'd keep post-lockdown, what would it be? So in terms of lockdown, Hutchie, obviously, minus all the, the, the tragic things going on, but in terms of society as a whole, how will you, how will you reflect on it when it's all done and dusted? And there's going to be obviously a long time. Um, yeah. Um, I'm sure there will be little thing, little things that people, you know, look look back and think actually this has maybe accelerated some some positivity and some changes that needed to happen. But I can't imagine, I can't imagine in general we're going to look back on on this as being an overall positive experience. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, without this isn't, you know without going into it too deeply the the devastation that it's going to have on on people's businesses and and things like that um i think i think yeah to kind of think that it's going to be looked back on as a as like a, a positive change environment is sadly sadly not going to be the case but there are going to be there are going to be little things that that, that improve i think maybe maybe people might um might you might look at it and think actually you know what i've got to spend more time with my with my family during this and that that should be a priority for me and there were there were other things in my life that were, were getting in the way maybe um and that that that's positive that's that's positive i think there'll be some some smaller things like that that actually we in a few years time but maybe those smaller things can add up to to bring about a feeling of um, feeling of positivity there. But yeah, I've, overall, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, obviously on a societal scale, it's been a, an absolute disaster uh, and tragic on so many levels. But I think in terms of what what to take away from positive, I think certainly I would say um, in terms of rules, working from home great flexibility in, in your working hours, being able to spend more time with your family and, in my case, my dog. Uh, I think that's definitely been a positive and maybe people realise how much they've been taken for granted in that respect. Um, that's, to answer Tony's question, that would be the rule I'd keep, working from home. I love it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Strango, Strango, David Strang. What are your thoughts on handing out improved deals and contract extensions to players when the club has furloughed many members of non-playing staff? Um, this is another big one, isn't it? Mm. Um, in terms of these extended year options, they were already in the players' contracts. And in, in terms of protecting the clubs, just protecting their assets there. Um which in, in general benefits the the business, you could argue. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I think the side of that conversation will be more relevant when the kind of the free for all transfer market kind of opens, especially at the higher end of the Premier League end of football as well. Um, clubs that have are paying players tens, twenties, hundreds of thousands of pounds a week, putting staff on normal salaries on on furlough is is really not a good look at all for the game. Um, I would say clubs at Ipswich's level and certainly below are, are a slightly different case. I don't know. What, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I'd agree. I think when you've got Premier League size furloughing members of non-playing staff are still paying their pampered players about hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. That's a terrible look for the game. And that kind of thing is the sort of thing that's dangerous, I think, in this this current environment, which is why I'm so worried about football restarting. Mm-hmm. It's a real danger there could be a backlash against that um, that, that has long-lasting implications. We shall see. But as you say, certainly at a lower level, um, I think it is different. And, and it's worth obviously pointing out at town as well that, that Marcus is making up a difference. So all the staff, although they've been furloughed, are still getting their full wage. Um, yeah. I think that's an important, important thing to mention in that argument. Um, one final question. First of all, a statement from Chrissy Kit Day. He says, I'd keep Will Keane in a heartbeat. He's got pedigree above and beyond Jackson and Norwood. Simplistic observers will disagree, as they'll judge on goals scored. Scored, excuse me. Purists will see what Keane does and his involvement in an abundance of goals we've scored latterly. Very much in the Keane camp. And the final question from Mailbag this week. Paul M. Again, still not convinced it's the real Paul McCartney, but who knows? He asks, what would be your go-to dish if you were on MasterChef? Hutchie, I reckon you're going to say some kind of, of spicy curry-style dish. Yeah, obviously I'd need to um, deconstruct it and make up some fancy words for it. Deconstructing is so old-fashioned, mate. No one does that anymore. Don't they? No, that, that, that no. period of cooking is gone. What, are, you recon- are you reconstructing it now then? No, no. Now, it, now it's, it's presented as, as it should be, but in a slightly flashier way. It's not okay. deconstructed anymore. Right. Do I need a velouté on there? Uh, it depends what you're cooking. I don't, if you're going to cook a curry, I don't think you need a velouté with a curry. Or a so. foam? Any kind of foam on there? Probably get a foam. You could probably have a foam with a curry, couldn't you? Yeah, some air on there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Master, I don't think MasterChef would be... Uh, would be very welcoming of my cooking. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bit more rustic. There's nothing wrong with rustic, my friend. There, there isn't. There absolutely isn't, but that's not what they want on MasterChef. Well, I don't know. If you do it really well, I think there's, there's space for everything in the, in, the, in the food sphere. What's your go-to dish, actually? If you're, if you're cooking, you're looking to wow, what are you, what are you cooking? Um, Lots of I, I don't really have a go-to dish. I've got I've got a few things in the. As I've said many times, my scrambled eggs are world class. Yeah, is it still the, is it still the instructional for that on your Instagram? Uh, probably. I've I haven't deleted it, so unless it's been unless I've been censored <laughs> by the man. Hopefully not. But yeah, um, I, no, I'll do you a I'll do you a good chili if I've got time. But you need time for that. Um, both Where's in terms of the chocolate and chili. Um, not against it. I'd say it's a bit unnecessary, and I don't think it adds what people think it adds. If you 100%. if if you use the right kind of chili, um, actual chili in there, rather than just chucking a load of powders in, mm. um, 
you get the earthiness and darkness of the chocolate without putting it in, if that makes sense. 100% actually. Chocolate yeah. in Chile is one of the most overrated things in food. Just a but bit the, unnecessary. Just a waste of time. The other thing that's really overrated is gold leaf. What the fuck? It has no taste. It just, it just, it makes, if anything, it makes dishes look shitter. Um, it brings nothing to the table apart from pretentiousness, which I know you're, you're not a big fan of. Um, so you, you're saying chili. You do crumpets as well, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I, again, I don't think I'd be welcome on Great British Bake Off because they, in general, I know there are rounds where you do need to do stuff like this, but I just like making things like crumpets and bagels. I don't want to work. I, I don't want to make a fully operational coal mine out of cake. Um, <laughs> it's just unnecessary. I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to get on any of these TV shows. If I'm quite honest, I think um, I think my talents are just just to be kept at home. Then that's there's nothing, wrong, my friend. But one day I do want to try your world class eggs. It'll happen. It will happen. Hopefully, when we're, we're out of this madness, maybe uh, next year. Um, my go-to dish, I do a really nice spicy peanut noodles. Um, so I'd probably go with that. But again, I'm not sure it'd be enough to to get me through, get me a, a master chef apron. Um, that brings yeah. the end. Sorry, Carol. I've I've just got more to say on master chef. That's the kind of thing that's really that's really nice. But they will say they will say that it's not complicated enough. But does it need to be more complicated? Some some nice simple ingredients put together, some nice noodles like you've just said. Cook all of those really simple things perfectly and you're in business. But that won't that wouldn't be enough on MasterChef because you haven't I think you'd be surprised, mate. I think if if food is cooked well and it's done well, I mean you, you take your classic steak and chips, that if, if that's cooked well, you don't need to mess around too much with that. That's a classic. I completely I agree with you. It's just I don't I don't think the judges on MasterChef would agree. They'd want, they'd want more. You'd probably be right, to be fair. You'd probably be right. Um, Hutchie, that brings us to the end of, of Mailbag for this week, and indeed approaching the end of the podcast. Is there anything that we've not discussed that you want to mention? What, what have you got on your, other than your fine takeaway tonight, which sounds tremendous, what have you got on your agenda for this coming bank holiday weekend? Is it just it's bank just... holiday on Friday, right? Bank holiday Friday, yeah. Yeah. Normally it's confusing bank holiday. Um, yeah. Uh, um, not an awful lot. Same old. Trying to entertain a two-year-old. Is that getting more and more difficult? Yeah, she. Yeah, she's had. She's had enough of the limited, the limited activities that we can offer now, and I think more and more she just wants to watch TV, which we don't want her to do, but sometimes is unavoidable. Yeah, it's tough. I can imagine it's tough. Um, okay, well, well, we'll take our lead then. Obviously, I've got to go through the usual spiel of, uh, of asking you to hit subscribe on your various podcast providers if you uh, are new to this. So you get this nonsense in once a week at least, and then we go back to two a week once uh, everything's back up and running and the, the four kings are reunited. Um, leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that helps us in uh, iTunes charts. And also follow us on all our social media, um, Kings of Anglia across Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, it's all there. And also a plug for Ross Meets, the special podcast which are going out each week. Roscoe, uh, Alan Furlow, producer Ross, 
um, recorded some interviews before his furlough started, which we're putting out as podcasts. Um, he did, what was it last week? Darren Curry, which has gone down very well. Um, and I think this Saturday we're putting out Ronan Murray. Um, they don't have to rhyme. That's not a that's not a key part of the uh, the Ross Meets experience. But give them a listen. They're certainly worth a listen. Hutchie, final words before we, we depart? Uh, no other business. No other business. Okay, we're about to head into the club then. It's uh, it's Wednesday morning. It's sunny here. We're still in lockdown, but you can still join us in the KOA club. You skip the line because you're with us. VIPs get in free. Whatever you want to drink is on us. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll see you again next week. Crime to football, Brexit to Postville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.